For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants, and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome to another edition of Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller of Fuller Landau. Josh, how are you? Great, Dan. And uh, in studio with us tonight, uh, we have a lawyer, which is really interesting. I don't believe we had a lawyer yet on the program. Uh, actually, we did have a lawyer oh. once, actually. I think David Ultra came on. Right. So Very specialized lawyer. Very specialized lawyer. But, you know, as I said, you know, as people have been hearing in the intro and the, uh, the ad for the week, Lawyers run a business too. Absolutely. They're not just about dealing with their clients. They're not just about fighting with each other. They run a business. And that's what we really want to hear about tonight. So, Robert, welcome. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, and uh, so tell us, the firm Prevost Fortin Daou. Tell us what the firm does today. Who does it service? Where is it located? Well, Prevost Fortin Daou is a full service law firm that uh, has five offices one in Saint Jerome, one in Saint Agathe, one in Laval, one in Boisbriand, and one in Montreal. And we serve uh, mostly small and medium enterprise. We s serve institutions. We serve uh, individuals in particulars. So um, it's a firm that's uh, now been going on for about 75 years. So where did it start? Se I guess you weren't there 75 years ago, but uh, no. can you give us a, a little bit where it started and also how you got into the firm? Yes, well, Saint the Prévost Fortin d'Aou started in Saint Jerome, and that is basically uh, the headquarters of the firm. And it's a firm that's uh, started off literally going back to 1937 and mostly by people that were from that region uh, it's uh, as a result over the years it's developed uh, uh, a sort of client base from that region started that way and bit by bit it uh, basically expanded and decided to expand uh, southward on the uh, on the highway 15 and uh, I joined it in 1994 I actually worked in Saint Jerome for uh, five years mm -hmm and then uh, was sent down the highway to Montreal to open our office there. Now, so this this sounds like a firm that's really capitalized on a market north of the 40, kind of the Laurentians. Was that the plan from the outset? It wasn't necessarily a plan. It was probably just the way it, it occurred, the way it happened. Uh, funny enough, uh, it was a very small firm up until the 70s. In the 70s, we had uh, two people, uh, André Forgette and André Rochon, who now sit on the Court of Appeal. And these fellows had uh, had a, an amazing reputation, basically. So you'd have um, interests from miles out that would uh, come and seek their counsel. And uh, from there, the firm really started growing. And to that was added many other partners, and we eventually grew from there on. Did you use any type of marketing strategies that a regular business would use uh, in terms of growing your business and expanding? Well, funny enough, uh, you know, lawyers really have only been marketing and using advertising in the past 15 years. Before, we weren't really quite allowed to do it. Uh, it was considered a profession. We were considered to be above that. And so, uh, and this is, a, it's an interesting question, Dan, because it wasn't really, uh, lawyers had difficulty with marketing. Uh, it wasn't really in our sphere of action. And over the past 15 years, uh, we're getting more and more adept at it, I believe. And uh, we are now trying to use as much marketing tools as we can. We're trying to come aboard like the rest of you. Do you use somebody internally? Do you outsource it? We have a team, we have a, a committee, a marketing committee, on which I, I sit actually as well. But uh, we also use um, uh, external help. Uh, we use an agency called Red, which we, who we really like, uh, who helps us with the creative process and who actually guides our, uh, our marketing efforts. As a, as a bunch of lawyers and professionals, 
I'm sure, you know, you all have your different levels of marketing talent or not. Does everybody have to agree on your marketing efforts? No, on that one, well, certainly, you know, the way it works often in partnerships, we can come back to this later, especially a partnership in our firm, is that uh, you don't necessarily have to agree on every decision, but if you disagree, it uh, that, that might uh, be taken into, into consideration. So it wasn't so much a question of agreement, it was a question of bringing lawyers on board. Again, it's intrinsically, it was intrinsically against their nature. And bit by bit, they're actually ad ad adapting to this. It's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward. I want, I want to talk about how the interaction between the partners get together. But back to marketing, social media, is that something that, as a firm, you've consciously gone out and really exercised your social media marketing efforts? We're starting. We're starting. We're, uh, we're getting on the, onto the professional social media, for instance, LinkedIn, on Facebook and Twitter. We're not quite there yet, but we're talking about it a lot, and uh, we're it's a question of time. We're about to get in there. Decentralize? I mean, do your partners come to you with marketing ideas? Do they say, you know, is the goal for the firm to get visibility? Is it to get to client? Like, how targeted? Is your marketing you know fundamentally uh, a firm our size which is about 35 lawyers the real key is uh, is personal contact so our lawyers are very very proactive when it comes to uh, making contact with the clients through various forums it could be Chamber of Commerce it could be community community forums it could be uh, artistic forums uh, so the first and foremost means by which we we uh, we uh, connect with our client base and prospective clients is by meeting them, literally. Now that's a classic uh, lawyer way to do things. So does that mean that characteristics that you look for in your partners or in the lawyers, business development has to be part of that psyche? It's certainly something we look for in our partners. Uh, we want to see partners that have some business development acumen. Uh, it is not something that's necessary that we necessarily seek in all our lawyers. You know, we have lawyers at times that are amazing litigators or very smart intellectual uh, lawyers who can who can understand fundamentally complex concepts, which we need. But they're not their strength is not marketing. So we find a way to sort of uh, spread uh, the talent, if you like. Meaning that you recognize the strengths and the weaknesses within each partner and work with them correct. as opposed to turning them into somebody you're not. Uh, correct. We'll, we'll, we'll encourage them. Even those that don't have an aptitude for it, we want them to at least go out there and try it and uh, at least get as much aptitude as they can within, the, within whatever means they may have. But we understand they're different talents. How much of your business is generated through word of mouth? Oh, you know, much. Uh, they, well, to give you an example, 80% of our business comes from existing clients with, with new spheres. But uh, I'd say on the remainder, uh, if you took that as 100%, the 20% that remains, I'd say uh, close to half. Uh, notoriety might be another 20 30%, and maybe the rest might be marketing. Uh, today's Entrepreneur continues uh, in just a moment on CJAD. Our guest this evening, Robert Fagui with Prévost Fortin Daou. And uh, more with, uh, with Robert and Josh coming up in just a second. But first, it's 7.15 on CJAD. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 718, welcome back to today's Entrepreneur. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar, along with uh, Fuller Landau's Josh Miller, and our guest this evening, lawyer Robert Fagui from uh, Prévost Fortin Daou, a full service agency. And uh, Josh, we're, we're sort of reminded that uh, lawyers are entrepreneurs too, like you were saying earlier. And uh, law firms a bit a bit different, right, Robert, in, in that you can have 
many different people running a business, many different partners. How many partners are you? Well, absolutely. Uh, in our firm, we're about uh, 12 partners. And uh, yeah, it's a, it is a different model because, for instance, if you think of a corporation, theoretically, you'd have a chairman of the board and a president, and it would, uh, so their power is more centralized into certain given individuals. Obviously, many have exceptions. It could be run by board. In a partnership, uh, in, our, in the case of our partnership, we have uh, 12 partners, and the partners are sovereign. So we have committees. We have uh, an executive committee. We have marketing committees. But down the line, the, uh, the, the end decision will, be, will belong to the partnership. And uh, I know I've spoken to a lot of people and clients, and they say, oh, really? That's, how, how can that work? I mean, you've got 10 lawyers. So obviously, they're people. I'm, th- I'm thinking the same thing. There's got to be a <laughs> pair of boxing gloves on the table, and they just go at it. <laughs> Absolutely. And you would think that would be the way, especially that we uh, apparently we like to argue things. Uh, but it works. And uh, I think uh, we're very fortunate because we, we are, the partners in our firm do share a common vision. And so what you'll have is you'll have, let's say you have a given decision that could be controversial or not. And it's discussed through the partnership, and through the discussion, you will under, you will see where people's people side. And generally, if you have two people that uh, that decide to vote against uh, ten people, uh, they will often say, uh, "We'll rally." So they realize that the it's a sort of a majority type thing. But in my time as a partner, which has been ten years in this firm. You know, I've seen maybe one or two decisions where it's been close. Basically. What do you What do you mean by rally? Well, rally is you realize that you're maybe on the wrong side of the issue. That most of your partners are agreeing to to go a certain way, and if you feel that you're on the wrong side of the issue, just merely by the numbers, you will you will call it. And this is a word we use often. We'll say, "I'm rallying. I'll rally to you guys." You'll say, "Well, listen, I'm not really that crazy about this way of proceeding, but I'll rally because you realize you're only two or three against a bigger number. Meaning when you leave the room, when the partner group leaves that meeting room, you're all really towing the same line, you're really on the same page. Correct, there's a consensus. And once, when we say we rally, we really mean it. Uh, and obviously, you know, for future meetings, if you, if you happen to be, if you have, and it doesn't really happen in our firm, but if you have one or two individuals that are always in, this, in, this, in the minority, uh, you know, there's maybe a question of, not them, of them not sharing the vision of the firm. So it's really a problem. So you must have, uh, to get everyone on the same page, you must have some really long, exhaustive meetings. Uh, we've had some long, exhaust, exhaustive uh, meetings, uh, maybe on, on numerous points. Well, often it, it, we do stop on one or two issues. And, uh, you, know, we, you know, you think about lawyers, they argue, but they also convince. So, uh, and there is that sort of whole process. And it works quite well, actually. How often do you meet? We meet, uh, listen, there was a time where we met pretty well every Monday night. Uh, we meet uh, informally very regularly, and on formal partnership meetings, maybe uh, once every two months, where, where issues are really hashed out. But, in, so, but informally, there's many of you that meet on a weekly basis? Uh, yes, absolutely. We, have, we talk a lot. We discuss things. Uh, we, uh, you know, and this, we will run through maybe committees. So we do have an executive committee that's uh, overarching. And uh, you know, there's issues. You know, uh, for instance, marketing. We have certain issues. We, we're not quite sure. We'll we'll bounce ideas. What do you guys think? Uh, do you think it's too expensive? Do you think we should go for it? And uh, we have a you know a partner that's in charge of our real estate holdings or uh, and what offices to open. You know, so there's constant nego- uh, constant dialogue. It's very interesting. You know, in a partnership, uh, Dan, especially certainly with 12 partners around the table. Firm unity is really something that's important, really something that's not always the easiest thing to wrap your head around to get everybody on the same side. So to 
the constant presence, the constant face-to-face between the partners, that is huge. And if you want to guarantee firm vision and you want to, you know, you have a couple of people that aren't sure and your question earlier about how do you kind of make sure, the constant face-to-face, the making sure everybody's on the same page, the rallying, the convincing, and at the end of the day, when they walk out of the room, they're all one. They all have that same vision. That is huge. And that's something that's really a big accomplishment. That's very true. Today's Entrepreneur continues on a CJAD at 723. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Our guest on today's entrepreneur is Robert Fagui from Prévost Fortin Daou, a lawyer. And uh, we're talking about your business model, Robert, and how you uh, essentially have to have all partners, uh, all 10 of you, correct? Correct. Uh, reach a consensus before you know you, you leave the room. Um, what, uh, can you give us an example, maybe not specific, but general example of um, a decision or a, an issue that uh, that was really tense and that were, where it wasn't so, uh, so, so clean cut, uh, where you had to argue a lot and, and uh, hash things out for a while? Absolutely. And actually, it was, it was 12 partners, I should say. But uh, yeah, you know what? Ironically, uh, Dan, we've, we've uh, the, the closest decision uh, I've seen uh, recently in the past 10 years is one, it was, uh, the, the issue was nepotism. Should we hire the, uh, the uh, children of a, of a partner? Uh, but it wasn't tense. Uh, funny enough, um, I, we've had certainly tense partnership uh, assemblies or meetings. Uh, all those tense ones did turn out into consensus, and I think again, for uh, because of a of a strong will on the part of all partners to ensure that we have consensus and, and a certain amount of harmony, I guess. Uh, so the tense ones we've resolved pretty well, you know. And and I'm not even sure if pe- people might have had to rally here and there, but if they've been resolved. Uh, this one on uh, this one really on nepotism was the only one that. Uh, that uh, was close, and it was valid arguments on both sides. And I don't think anybody was really that much that uh, uh, strong in one way or another on it. Was it resolved in the end? Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> we decided. Uh, we decided for now that we we thought it would be better not to have uh, the children of partners uh, to uh, to join as lawyers. Although we do accept them as articling students and students. It's really tough, you know. Entrepreneurs, the family members. We talk a lot about succession on the show. And to have, you know, a kid or the next generation in the business really puts a lot of, you know, it puts a strain when you're a single owner and a single shareholder. When you start to become 12 partners and you have, you know, offspring or or relations coming in, wow, it can uh, can only be that much more stressful. I'll leave aside the the lawyers uh, disagreeing on the way. (laughs) And complicated. You know, what about my kid? (laughs) Well, that's that's right. And it's competing values because uh, the main reason I think we decided against it was harmony. And by the way, these things could be reviewed at all times, you know. But harmony is a key among us. But at the same time, it's hard when you've got a very hot young kid who's very good at the law, who uh, has got a great future ahead of them. You might say, listen, we're losing out on something. In in your meetings with with your partners, what are the kind of the standard agenda items is it more running the practice is about uh, the law and regulations what is it more like uh it won't be law and regulations it will be really the mechanics of the operations themselves uh you know you know uh do we approve this lease uh that we've opened up for this new firm uh, uh, how much uh, do we approve getting into a, you know a new software system uh, uh should we bring in a few new a uh, new partner the, the, those type of decisions 
Uh, it is very important what you're talking. We, we do have another meeting where we, uh, we talk about new regulations, new law, new case law. And what we do is every Monday night uh, at 5 o'clock, the entire firm is encouraged to, uh, to uh, sit in one boardroom and we go through everything, everything that's new, the new case law, case files, etc. You're not allowed, you have to be there. Uh, the only way you can be exempted is if you have a trial or something important where it's, it's impossible for you. Uh, I would imagine just keeping up to date with everything that goes on, this is a, a huge factor in staying, I guess, in today's knowledge. Well, you know, that is, I think, one of the biggest challenges of the law here. Uh, I remember when I was uh, an articling student and I was uh, slaving away in some dark library somewhere. And we had, uh, I had a, f- a former partner who came in and uh, this was a firm that I used to work at before, Prévost Fortin d'Aou. And he proudly stated that he, and in his time, they'd look at three books, the Civil Code, the Code of Civil Procedure, and the Companies Act. And since his time, which, which I think he started practicing in the 1930s and the 40s, literally, he, was, uh, he said there's so, so much regulation, so many new laws. And he's right. There's many, many more new rules. You know, it's, uh, we're talking about the partners getting together frequently, being on the same page to get all the lawyers uh, weekly together face to face. I mean, there's something that you don't certainly don't see in, in every practice, in every company. And certainly as a common goal, a common vision, a common understanding to learn is great. And I think as a group, they had to learn to deal with a certain tragedy that really hit the firm hard about a month ago. And coming up after the break, we're going to listen to that. Indeed, it's uh, 7.30 on CJAD. Today's Entrepreneur Continues. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller of Fuller Landau, and our guest this evening, lawyer Robert Faggy of Prévost Fortin Dao. And uh, Josh, earlier we were talking about this really interesting partnership, uh, 12 partners at the firm, um, and also uh, up until very recently, a patriarch figure uh, at the firm um, who had a lot of influence, I take it. And he passed on. What do you do from here? Yeah, Robert, maybe you can tell us a little bit about uh, Marc Daou, who was the managing partner of Prévost Fortin Daou, and uh, unfortunately passed away about a month ago. And, you know, how did that impact the firm? How did, how did the group rally behind it? Uh, how, you know, how does, how does a firm with such a long history deal with such a loss? Well, no doubt that was a huge loss. Uh, Marc was a very, it was an exceptional individual. Uh, an exceptional human being and an exceptional uh, lawyer. Uh, he, he was um, a lawyer's lawyer. He was a brilliant jurist. Uh, but I guess for a lot of us, where it really hit us is that he was also a very, very close friend. And uh, uh, funny enough, uh, I consider him a mentor to me, uh, but I would not be alone in my firm. He was probably a mentor to, to many of us. And, uh, you know, he was also instrumental. He was a, a very much of a team fellow and one who often fostered this notion of harmony and uh, working as a team and uh, so ironically one of the ways we're dealing with him we're dealing with his loss which is which is uh, you know just terrible and it was a bit uh, unforeseeable he's a fairly young young fellow 52 is uh, uh, is that we go over we often tell ourselves well you know how how, how would have Mark seen this and uh, we realize that actually we've, we've been quite imprinted with his his uh, his values uh, his business values uh, also his personal values and uh, the firm will continue uh, under uh, 
under uh, his auspices to a certain extent, uh, without a doubt. He, he, he will stay with us, and his values will stay with us. Well, listen, I, I, cer- I knew uh, Mark a little bit, and uh, I'm sure he will be missed. He was certainly a, a special individual. Very much so. Now, so, you know, he, certainly under his guidance and, and with, with practices that go on the firm, uh, a little bit about the mechanics on, on how you kind of dealt with things along the way, how, you know, billings and collections, you know, professionals as a rule may not necessarily be the best billers and collectors. Um, Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Well, I would agree with you that uh, I know that lawyers are terrible billers and collectors on both counts. Uh, for 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 it's again ingrained in us that we just want to render the service, and that, that's what we really enjoy. Uh, we love going to court. Uh, we love uh, uh, preparing transactional documents, and we're terrible at billing, both in terms of uh, billing late and uh, and obviously collecting uh, on billing. I mean, we have a new policy where, uh, and I, I think it's in part to. Uh, to train us as much as our clients to bill once a month, you know, just mm-hmm. so we can at least get it out there. And uh, so there's nothing worse than a client that gets a bill six months into a, a mandate, and it's a it's a fairly big bill, and they've had no chance to see the evolution, and they could get quite upset. So for for their purposes and ours, we try to bill quicker, but it's always a struggle for lawyers. How do you find? I mean, certainly, I don't know if the recession has had much of an effect on you, but has there been uh, some fee pressures by clients? Certainly, as as they uh, struggle with the with the economy and you know a lot of the downs that are going on, how do you see that? From, from your billing collection perspective? You know, I wonder if uh, we haven't, I'm not sure, we've, se- we've seen pressure on the fees. We haven't, I'm not sure if we've seen pressure on the fees because of recessions. Well, I, th- I, th- I would tack it up more to clients' uh, sophistication, competition maybe. I mean, uh, you, they themselves have their own pressures and constraints. So they'll have, uh, you know, a CEO turning back to the controller saying, listen, now you've got to cut all these expenses, uh, even outside of a, or, or at least enhance uh, our, our back, our bottom line, even outside of the context of a recession. So it's, it's, uh, they're probably viewing it as good business practice to uh, limit the expenses. Uh, and the more professional fees, the more you will have a look at them and the more you're going to try to limit them. So it's an issue without a doubt. You're, you're, you're selling time. You're selling knowledge. You're selling time. Now you have to price it. Do you have issues? Is, it, is there a challenge to establish what the hourly rates are, what the mandate fees will be? It, it is a challenge in a sense, uh, in the sense of trying to explain it sometimes to clients. Uh, but fundamentally, I mean, we have a very simple process. We have an hourly rate that goes with your, your, your experience. It, it's raised every year uh, by a small percentage according because you gain another year experience. And as I said, as I often tell the clients, I say, listen, it's not just the hourly rate that counts here. There's two components to this issue. There's uh, the time you spend. So it's what they just say, you know, you're worth, uh, you're, you're charging $350 an hour or $400 an hour or, or $150 an hour. But if somebody who's charging $150 an hour takes four hours to do something that a guy who's charging 300 would do in one, you've got a different, uh, a different price there. And, and uh, fundamentally, um, uh, you know, the, the clients, when they're in trouble or when they want something well done, they want preventive measures as well, they're prepared to pay an investment. They want, they want a certain investment. And that's what we have to represent to the clients, an investment. And you know what, that, that's an interesting concept because when there is a recession, you know, for, for professional service firms, and I can certainly speak on behalf of Fuller Lando as well, when, when times are bad, that's really when they need their professionals more. Uh, it's, it's how to help them get out of a situation or navigate through a situation that they're not necessarily always prepared for. Um, but it's still managing, you know, managing the client, managing their expectations. That's probably 
one of the hardest. I mean, certainly with the with the age of, of computers and, and the speed of which things are transmitted in emails, uh, the client expectations. Maybe, Robert, you can tell us a little bit about how that's evolved, client expectations and how you deal with it. Well, that, uh, and it's funny that you mentioned the speed because I believe that's one of the biggest challenges uh, to the to uh, the professional, to all professions and in, uh, in the law as well. I mean, listen, I'm 47 years old. I've been doing this for about 20 years. But I, I understand that shortly before I came into the law, you know, you'd, you'd get a contract, you'd get it by the mail, snail mail that is, and you'd have uh, the attorney that would comment the contract and send it back by the mail and wait for comments back. I mean, this whole process could take two, two, a couple of weeks, and eventually you'd have a contract after a couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, now it's uh, you see it sometimes where the client will email you a draft agreement, will phone you at the same time, so you grab the phone, and the client will say, listen, you know, open up that file in your, it's a Word document, and uh, let's work on it now literally and uh you know which we you know i mean clients require more speed we want to respond to that at at, at a certain level it becomes counterproductive though but it is one of the challenges and we have to move fast and that means we have to have better technology and better speed the interesting thing about the law is that although everything else is moving fast the courts don't <laughs> I mean, that's that's still the one constant that you have to work around. That can be frustrating. You know, they, they are trying. And actually, there's constantly every three or four years, and there's about to be new legislation. It's an, a topical question that you've just raised there. Our civil code of procedure is about to be amended again. It was amended a number of years ago with an attempt to always try to fast track things and make the court go fast. The problem is uh, certain cases, uh, if you get them too fast, uh, they, they won't probably be represented. But there should be a way to get to court much quicker. I have to be honest with you. I think part of the problem probably lies with the attorneys, with lawyers. Uh, there's probably some fights on preliminary motions or measures that maybe are necessary and that delay the process. Um, that That is a gripe of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, yeah, of, the, of clients, without a doubt, and it's something we're trying to resolve. The system is. I would imagine uh, you don't face that alone. Your competition certainly has the same issues, so you're all kind of dealing with this expectation gap. The client wants things done faster, and you're at the mercy of the courts, if you will. Absolutely. There is, that competition does come into play, however, because some lawyers will, will pride themselves on the speed at which they'll run a file. Uh, speed together with proper service and good service and clients like that so uh, it's up to us to get faster without a doubt whether it's lawyers or other professionals what advice would you give to to other business people who have, have those sort of uh, intangible time management issues that w or the ones they can't control uh, the ones that can't those that, are, that benefit from those services or those that, that are giving those services those that are that are in similar positions like yourself who may have those issues that they just can't control these these time well, frames well I'd have to say you know, we'd probably take less work <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and technology does help you know uh, more more rigorous uh, management of your time of your files uh, more help uh, you can p p set up a system it remains that if you're a litigation lawyer for instance you can only be in one court at, at one time so you you have inherent constraints as you look back uh, Robert on your career in the firm is there any one issue perhaps one uh, error or fork in the road that if you had to do it all over again you would do something differently uh, that's a tough one Josh but uh, basically uh, I, I, we're pretty happy with the way it's run I'd say if we wanted we wanted to have gone a bit faster and this was a progressive realization on our part is probably marketing uh, more uh, IT I mean listen 
we didn't know really. I mean, again, we, we weren't really allowed to advertise as lawyers uh, up to, uh, you know, uh, I guess 15 years ago. And we basically, so a website was a new concept. And we were probably, I'd say our firm certainly, uh, but not by much, but I'd say other professionals as well. We were probably a bit late on the ball on that. And, uh, and even late on realizing the impact that this had. It's probably the same thing with social media. So I'd say that's that's the main thing. And uh, you know, professionals and technology go hand in hand. And and it's, it's and when we come back from the break, uh, we're certainly gonna that's gonna hot topic and how entrepreneurial professionals can deal with that. And Kevin Ammerman from Furlalando in charge of IT there will join us to talk about IT issues uh, and how it applies to uh, to Robert's business as well. It's seven forty five on CJD. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 748, welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller of Fuller Landau, our guest this evening, Robert Fagui of Prévost Fortin de Ouse, lawyer. And we bring into the conversation Kevin Ammerman, IT Director at Fuller Landau. Hello. Kevin, thanks very much for joining us. Now, you've had uh, a unique history with professional services firms, uh, certainly with accountants uh, and others. Uh, tell us, what, what challenges could the professional entrepreneur or the entrepreneur as a professional face? Well, I've actually found that uh, professional services firms have been really uh, very progressive in adopting IT and, uh, and bringing in you know, making it mainstream and an essential part of their businesses. Um, the, the, the obvious challenge for professional services, both lawyers and accountants, is the, the time and billing software. Um, and even since then, getting past that, that billing and time tracking, um, using uh, tools such as document management and, and more uh, business management tools in order to make their, their practices run more smoothly and, and their lives easier. Certainly, there, you know, especially with lawyers, there's a security issue. You know, there's 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 sensitive documents that pass around all day long, all night long. Uh, how do you deal with what what security challenges can be overcome? I think actually even even above and beyond lawyers, people don't appreciate how sensitive their their documents are, and and how much care needs to be placed in the handling of them. Um, there there does need to be a very close eye kept on on how the documents are handled and. And even with all the, the technology that we're using today, we have to keep a close eye on how documents are handed off from one place to another. Um, even things that we take for granted, such as email today, uh, it's not a terribly secure way to, to send documents. And, and we're, we're, we're constantly uh, sort of in a little bit of a battle with, with our clients to realize that they, they can't just send us all of this, this uh, personal information. Um, are, there, are there a lot of options? Um, there are the, the options tend to be a little bit uh, complex, um, which leads to costs. Uh, there are options out there that allow you to uh, not use email. Uh, there are commercial services that, that have come up recently um, that allow you to use uh, secured websites to, to transfer documents. Uh, but you've got to put a lot of trust in the people that manage those websites. So what we're seeing is a lot of professional services firms are, are looking at developing their own web portals for, to, to enable communications with their clients in a way that they can control and keep a, a good handle over. And this, again, doesn't have to be terribly costly. They can do this in a number of different ways, um, but it really opens up new ways to, to communicate with their clients in a, in a secure way. My question is for either Kevin or Robert. Uh, when professionals like lawyers get a website, 
Uh, it might be difficult sometimes to distinguish yourselves from other firms because uh, people see it as very straightforward. You're a law firm. How do you how do you adapt your website to, to make it stand out from other firms? Well, Kevin, I mean, this is uh, kind of in- I've got an interesting sort of uh, backup on this. Is uh, one th- one way we thought we might uh, distinguish it is by having a sort of interactive website. For instance, you would have uh, a client coming in, and uh, let's say he'd have a, a, a given proceeding that was being run by that firm or by our firm. He could go. Uh, verify the state of his proceedings and uh, grab his defense, uh, but we were we were very worried, Kevin, uh, that uh, there would be a, a security issue. And yeah, it's, it's it's definitely a big concern, and and that's it, it, especially for for works in process and things like this. Um, that that's sort of a special case because it's something that's you know it's internal and it's it's more or less internal communications and it's it's an extension of your network to the client. Yeah. Um, and then there's the the other aspect of it, which is maintaining the public face of your website and trying to, uh, you know, maintain some sort of dynamic image for the, for the public and get, and get some sort of communication going with the public in, in a managed way, in some way that you can control a little bit. And what about the transfer of documents and sensitive information? Is that something that uh, that is difficult to do, or is there specific softwares out there that, that professionals can use? Um, as I say, there are, there are websites that, that uh, are in existence now. Uh, one of the big ones is, is called Dropbox uh, that allows you to set up different kind of permissions for these files and, and share them in some sense. Uh, but the problem is a lot of them are hosted in the States, which makes a lot of people nervous about where, where their secure information is stored. And also, uh, you don't have a lot of control over these files, right? So you've you got you to gotta rely on the, the integrity of the client that you're, that you're hosting with, right? Um, which raises a lot of concerns. Like, we, we, we don't really know uh, much about that company, for example. Um, without going into great detail about the, the, the background of them. We don't know where this information is being saved. We don't know how secure it actually is, um, which leads a lot of companies, especially professional services firms, to uh, look, at, look at developing their own internal devices to do this. More on IT issues for professionals and as well uh, Robert Fagi's uh, parting thoughts, advice uh, to business owners. That's coming up on today's Entrepreneur. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Remaining moments on today's Entrepreneur, we're talking about IT with Kevin Ammerman, uh, IT uh, Director at Fuller Landau. Also our guest this evening, lawyer Robert Fagui from Prévost Fortin d'Eau. And uh, Kevin, we're uh, chatting over the break. We're both fiddling on our Blackberries. Uh, smartphones becoming an essential tool for professionals, for lawyers uh, especially. Um, what advice would you give to people who, uh, who are new to the smartphone game and how to protect their, uh, their information? Well, that's just it. As long as you're a little bit mindful of, of taking care of what you're doing with your phone, uh, keep in mind that it is, it's really an extension of your computer. So it's got to be treated with the same sort of care that you would a laptop. Um, if someone gets their hands on, on your phone, they can see all of that mail, all of that contact information. And as, as companies develop uh, extensions to their networks, you can see all of the, in a lot of cases, all of the client information on these, on these devices as well. Is there one device that's better for security than the other? Um, depending who you ask, a lot of people would say that Blackberries still have a pretty good hold on the enterprise market just because of their security features that are built in. Uh, but both uh, the iPhone and Android devices have made a lot of inroads in terms of providing more of an enterprise-ready experience to users. Um, 
uh, Google has been a little bit overlooked in terms of the, the the number of devices that they they have on the market now. They're they're approaching 50% of all the phones in the world are running Google operating systems, and they they've gone to some lengths to play nicely with uh, enterprise environments and, and working with more corporate grade email systems and providing the kind of security that these businesses need. So basically, just taking care of your of your portable device. Thanks very thanks very much, Kevin. As we uh, as we wrap up the show, Robert, uh, any parting thoughts? What one word, one piece of advice, some words of wisdom would you give to today's entrepreneur? Well, I'd have to say uh, above and beyond, and all of the, in all the confusion of uh, new technologies and how to market, I think this applies to all entrepreneurs: is to listen to your client. Fundamentally, listen to your client. It is our clients that give us uh, our business, and that uh, is the raison d'être of our firm. And they they will lead us ourselves in uh, in so far as what the, what the market expects out there and how we can render proper service. Thanks very much, Dan. The quick takeaway that I, that I'll, I'll kind of elaborate on is, for me, what I got from Robert and his firm is that they spend so much time and effort and energy keeping everybody together, meeting weekly, meeting periodically, having everybody there together, not just a couple of people, but everybody. And when you're multiple owners of a business and multiple entrepreneurs, it is huge to make sure that that ship goes in the right direction. That that whether it's a captain or unfortunately sometimes when he passes away, the rest of the boat and the rest of the crew keep going straight. And that is a true sign of a successful group of entrepreneurs. And even if you are a professional, uh, you gotta gotta be mindful of the fact that you are a, an entrepreneur as well and, and you know doing marketing and having a website and and all that, and uh, clearly that, uh, that's been uh, one, uh, one thing that, uh, that Provo Fontando has been doing well. Uh, Robert Fagie, thanks very much for joining us this Thank evening. You very and uh, don't forget, you can reach Fuller Landau during business hours at 514-875-2865 or visit www.flmontreal.com. Off next Monday night, but we're back the following Monday, October 17th for Thanksgiving. Josh Miller, thanks very much. Great, Dan. Thank you very much. Have a good night. You too. Excellent.